Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show, and it is finally game day. Penn State and Purdue coming up tonight to begin the 2022 season. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve, not in the Sunbury Motor Studio today, but he is getting ready for kickoff tonight in West Lafayette. Join Steve, Jack Kim, Roger Corey, the rest of the gang from West Lafayette as Purdue hosts Penn State tonight. Coverage beginning at 6.30 right here on WKOK with kickoff at 8.05. But either way, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great selection of pre-owned inventory and a great service department and sales staff. And it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. And with that also comes the need for many great behind-the-scenes employees. While they have many awesome technicians ready to serve you, they need more due to the busy business that a 107-year-old dealership has earned. They're looking for entry-level and experienced technicians to work in their quick lane, car light truck service, heavy truck service, body frame and alignment, and towing departments. Whether you are an experienced technician, an entry-level technician looking for your first job, or someone looking for a career change, they would love to hear from you. Stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or call Todd at 286-7746. But of course, as we finally get set to actually talk football and the things that are going to happen on the field tonight, it wouldn't be this college football offseason without at least one more mention of TV rights and negotiations and all those sorts of things off the field that have just completely dominated the entire offseason. As it was reported yesterday, we didn't get to this yesterday, so we'll get to this a little bit today. The Big 12 opens their media rights negotiations ahead of schedule, jumping ahead of the Pac-12, who was next, and now an early exit for Oklahoma and Texas are being considered for them to join the SEC earlier than originally scheduled. So it was announced yesterday the Big 12 would soon enter into negotiations with its media partners, ESPN and Fox, and the Big 12's current contract expires, of course, in 2025. The Pac-12's conference deal ends in 2024. ESPN and Fox are expected to meet face-to-face with the Big 12 in the next week or two, sources told CBS's Dennis Dodd. However, the Big 12 cannot engage bidders other than ESPN and Fox until early 2024. And emphasizing the urgency of the proceedings, active conversations are ongoing as the Big 12 considers allowing Oklahoma and Texas to leave the conference early for the SEC. So we'll see how that plays out. Apparently, Fox would likely have to be made whole financially because of the loss of the two lucrative TV ratings winners, of course, prior to the end of that deal in 2025. So that's an interesting caveat 
to that to see if they can get in there. Because, because of course, Fox, as we now know with the Big Ten, are, pay, play, are paying a lot, a lot of money for that contract. So that if you try to make some of that money back, if I'm understanding this correctly, then it'd be nice to still have those two big teams in Texas and Oklahoma, those two big brands, before they were to move on to the SEC. And not only that, too, this also means because the Pac-12 is not next in their next TV deal negotiations, it also leads the way to teams like Cal, Oregon, Washington, Stanford that are rumored to be in talks already with the Big Ten on joining the conference. And it seems like the Big Ten certainly hasn't changed their stance on maybe wanting to add those teams as well. So just another big dynamic thrown into the mix right as we kick off the season. And we'll recap what exactly is happening between the Big Ten and those Pac-12 teams I just mentioned when we had Brett McMurphy of the Action Network on a couple of a couple of days ago here on the show. We'll replay that interview today at 4.06 to kind of review what's happening there in that part. So this kind of came out a good point today with what's happening here with the Big 12 jumping ahead of the Pac-12 to begin their new media rights negotiations. So we'll replay the Brevin Murphy interview at 4.06 today. We also heard from CBS Sports Dennis Dodd as well on the Big on the Big 10 deal. He'll we'll replay that interview coming up next here on the show. Then at 3.35 today, we will replay our high school football roundtable, which we did on Tuesday before Steve left for West Lafayette. So in case you missed that, we'll replay it today in its normal spot at 3.35. We have Shikalemi and Mifflin County coming up on WKOK Friday night. We have Sealands Grove hosting Juniata Friday night at 7 on Eagle 107. And then we have Lewisburg and Jersey Shore on 100.9, the Valley as well. So that's coming up at 3.35 today. Then at 4.35, we'll replay our interview with On Three's Thomas Frank Carr as we'll get ready for the game tonight between Purdue and Penn State. So lots to get to today. Steve gearing up for kickoff. We'll hear from him and Jack Ham and Roger Corey in the rest of the game at 6.30 tonight from West Lafayette kickoff at 8.05. As far as the game goes for me, I'll I'll give my pick a little bit later on as we close out the show. But just my initial thoughts has been this. Getting back to the offensive line, it's been a question mark. Now, maybe Steve probably knows better than, than I do and because he's been there every day, and maybe they'll even talk about it tonight on the tailgate show. But I want to know where the continuity of the offensive line is. Because the pieces that are in there now, guys like a Hunter Norzad, weren't there in spring practice. So the guys that were there in spring practice, yeah, got a lot of reps, but doesn't sound like, at least to me, at least anyways, that are they're going to see the field tonight. So I want to see where the continuity is with adding all the new pieces in now during the fall camp instead of having the spring, too, to implement all those new pieces. So I'm curious where that is tonight because... The running game to me is key. I want to see, of course, we've, talk, we've talked about the running game needing to be improved, and James Franklin said that was really harped on during this entire offseason. So, but it starts up front with the offensive line. Of course, we're excited to see all the, the two freshman backs, especially Governor Mifflin's Nick Singleton in action for the first time. 
And I think it's going to be important for Penn State to get the run game going early tonight again to take the crowd out. It's going to be the blackout there at West Lafayette. So you want to be able to get control of the game early. That way you can set up the play-action game and the passing game with the guys you have on the outside and, of course, with Sean Clifford leading the way as he begins his sixth season. And, of course, has the offensive line pass protect, too. And, of course, when it comes to any road game, especially when it's a road game in conference play, situational football, always key. How do you do in the red zone? How do you do on third down, both sides of the ball, etc.? And I also want to see how the new pieces and new faces in the secondary look as well. You know, Phil Steele was on here a few weeks ago, and he still had them as the fourth highest-rated secondary in college football. So I definitely want to see how that comes to fruition tonight in Game 1. So as we continue to count down to kickoff tonight in Wasa Lafayette, coming up next, we'll replay CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd from a few weeks ago, recapping the Big Ten media rights deal that came about a few weeks ago. That's coming up next as we continue here on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by. Back here on the Steve Jones Show on Penn State Game Day. Matt Strillo here with you. Steve is not at the Sunbury Motor Studio today. He is standing by in West Lafayette, gearing up for kickoff tonight between Penn State and the Boilermakers. 8.05 kickoff right here on WKOK. Looking forward to that. So we are looking back on some interviews that we've had over the past couple of weeks. And, of course, we'll get into the game tonight a little bit later on. Dennis Dodd's going to join us in just a second from CBS Sports after he joined us a few weeks ago recapping the new Big Ten TV deal. Then we'll have the high school football roundtable replay from Tuesday's show at 3.35 in the next half hour. 4.06, our replay with Action Network's Brett McMurphy. More on the Big Ten deal and also where the negotiations stand between the Big Ten and Pac-12 teams such as Oregon, Cal, Stanford, Washington. So we'll get into that at 4.06 and then 4.35. T. Frank will join us at 4.35 after he joined us on the show on Monday to get ready for Penn State and Purdue tonight. But first, we go to CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd. He joined us a few weeks ago after the new Big Ten media rights deal was announced. This guy has done as well as anybody out there following this story about uh, TV rights, and that is the outstanding Dennis Dodd. Dennis, great to talk with you again. Steve, how are you? Go ahead, Thanks for having me. Hey, appreciate it, Dennis. Thanks for your time. Uh, so the TV deal now with the Big Ten is done. In the end, what does this do to the overall landscape as you see it? Oh, it just it, it influences everything. I mean, we the thing is, we knew it was coming. We knew the money. Uh, you know, we didn't know the particulars who was going to have the games, but we knew it was coming, and we could project the impact right down to more realignment, to playoff expansion structure, to playoff revenue. Now, maybe uh, I think this clears the way for the next discussion for the commissioners to discuss all that—the playoff stuff. Um, you know, they're going. It's now a reality uh, that they're going to have to carve out. I, I think. And a lot of people think some of this for the players. And I think the, the conference that does it first, if it's, if it is done that way, whether it's conference by conference, is going to have a huge advantage just in recruiting. I mean, think about, think about if the Big Ten does revenue sharing. Um, whatever the number is, hey, you come here, you get at. 
Um, I, I've already written about that. They could get around Title IX because the money distributed by the conference office, which does not get federal funds, so they could give it just to the revenue sports if they chose, you know, whatever they're choosing. So I think that's on the way. Um, you know, the games themselves are going to be great. I think it's a win for the consumer when you think about broadcast television. Everybody's talking about broadcast television is dying. No, you're going to have to go to CBS, NBC, and Fox to see most of these games. Actually, I think Big Ten Network has the most of any of the, of the platforms in this. I think they have 50 games uh, yeah. per year, something like, something like that. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. The best games are going to be on network television where everybody can see them. They can be at every bar, every frat house. Everywhere. And I think that was a big piece of this because this, as Sean McManus told me, the chairman of CBS Sports, that is unprecedented. The fact, too, I think there, there are only a couple of mild surprises in here. One was the fact that if they're going to do any streaming, it's Peacock. Uh, and the, uh, CBS, yeah. Yeah, CBS um, will do Paramount, but it sounds like they're going to like simulcast with Paramount. Yeah, they, they, didn't, go, uh, they didn't go all in. Uh, I know Kevin Warren wanted a streaming piece. And maybe this is the most prudent road right now. Peacock will get eight exclusive games a yes. year. Um, and so, you know, the Big Ten can manipulate those games to, you know, drive people to them. I mean, I think you remember in 1994 when ESPN2 launched and everybody lost their minds because they couldn't see Duke Carolina. That was a brilliant <laughs> marketing move because yes. it, it launched ESPN2. You had to get it. Same thing maybe there. Uh, Paramount Plus on the CBS platform is going to simulcast their game um you know so maybe that helps when you're on your phone stuff like that but that's i, I think i think it's coming i think the streaming revolution and yeah. sports broadcasting is coming this was a was a little step and then the other one is is that fox gets four of the seven big 10 football championship games cbs gets two nbc gets one they made sure they tossed a bone to the other two uh, partners I'm told that was by industry sources that that was huge, that the expectation was because Fox already had the primary rights. You know, what, what we're reading right now is, is second and third tier rights. Fox already had everything. They, they owned the Big Ten Network. Um, they were both a partner and a bidder in this. Yeah. Uh, that, again, is unprecedented. But when that came out, I had in, industry people tell me they were shocked that Fox would give up any of those championship games. And I think it's, again, great for the network, great for the consumer. It's like it's a, it's a Super Bowl setup, you know, where one of the networks gets a Super Bowl every year. CBS gets two, Fox gets four, NBC gets one. Um, you know, and they, they can all outdo each other with, you know, the production they put on. And again, so I think the, the consumer benefits from that effect. Uh, revenue, by the way, this doesn't include the college football playoff money. It doesn't include the bowl games. Doesn't include the NCAA tournament. I'm not even sure if this the numbers they put out today include BTN. Uh, to be honest about, it. so I mean the the number is actually way higher when you add that in because when the Big Ten gives out, yeah, you, know, you hear like yeah. Mich- Michigan's distribution number. That's for everything. It's not that's not just the TV number. Yeah, that's um, BTN has a separate 990 tax return. Yes, uh, but but on this on this deal, BTN was included. So I'm just assuming it includes BTN. Uh, there was no language to that effect that it wasn't. But right. again, we've uh, you know, writers have been media have been reporting since the beginning. There was 80 to 100 million, and if you go 1.2 billion, which I've reported, divided by 16, that's 75 million. 
you add in um, tournament and bowl revenue, you easily get to 80 million. Yeah. Now for school, all of this is backloaded. Yes. Uh, it'll be small in the beginning and big at the end. And it's just think of think of an AAV, think of an average annual value. And that's what this is. And that's the best way to refer to it. But the, but the money is significant. I mean, they're going to be, I'm being conservative here. The SEC and big 10 are going to be $30 million annually per school ahead of the next best competitor. And I, I frankly think it's probably more like 40 at the end of the day because Pac-12, Big 12 haven't gotten done yet. And not only haven't gotten done, but now they're vulnerable because no Texas, no, no Oklahoma, no USC, UCLA. So you're right, the gap could be great because ESPN can sit there and say, hey, look, we still want to carry you, but we want to do it more under our terms and not just your terms. Yeah, because they're not involved in this, you know, again, that's unprecedented. They had a 40-year relationship with, yeah. with ESPN and the Big Ten. They can now uh, be a quote-unquote kingmaker between you know, the Pac-12 and the Big 12. What do they want? What is best for them? Is it a 16-team Big 12 with four Pac-12s? Is it like they stand now, 10 and 12? Um, you know, how does ESPN make the most money? ESPN needs the fourth window. They don't have the fourth window, mm-hmm. which is the late night game starts. Uh, basically, just think of ten, after 10 o'clock Eastern. Uh, they would have that with the Pac-12, but they'd also have that in the Big 12. The Big 12, you know, post teams from them. Uh, that's going to be fascinating to watch because just like ESPN orchestrated Texas, Oklahoma to the SEC, they are going to orchestrate what those two conferences look like in the future. No question. Uh, this I'll get to the college football playoff expansion in a moment, but the the financial gap that you and I are talking about of thirty to forty million of SEC Big Ten versus others. What do you think that can do competitively long term in college football? Well, it's look the competitive imbalance is there. I, I sound like I'm mimicking Nick Saban. You know he's. He, he ought to know better than anybody else. He <laughs> created a large piece of it, and the yeah. SEC did. So that's there. Yeah, I, it, you know, it, it, it's going to be harder to beat those guys. Is there any reason they should play the American or the Sun Belt? Those are questions to be answered. Um, I, I think competitively, you've got to, those other conferences have to just hope hope for access in the playoff. I think they'll get it. I don't think we're ready for that breakaway uh, from the 131. Yeah. But I think the next discussion to be had is over playoff expansion and playoff revenue. Then we'll know because as I quote, I quoted an administrator in that main news story saying mm-hmm. it's not even worth talking about anymore. It's, it's not a power five; it's a power two. Yeah. Um, and so if anybody expects those eight conferences now we're talking about below SEC and Big Ten to get a full playoff share in the future, I think they're kidding themselves. I mean that that'll be the first thing. No, Mike Oresco said, look, I'm dropping the power six thing. I mean, he did do that. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that that tells you just what the mentality is of everybody across the board. Notre Dame at some point will get, you know, they'll have a a deal negotiated with somebody as to what they're going to do, Uh, whether it's with NBC or whether they decide and look at the landscape and say we need a conference. Uh, how important is access to the college football playoff for Notre Dame as a priority? Well, let me go back one step. I, I, I think if most people's conclusion right now is that Notre Dame is going to stay 
independent. Yeah. I don't think any of this would happen today or yesterday. That's right. Them into a conference. I agree. Um, because, because they're going to be accounted for in playoff uh, expansion. We already knew that from the 12 mob. Right. And that, you know, they were see, going to get. Right. Yeah. And that's why I asked the question the way I did. That, that priority is the chip that keeps them from a conference. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they have access. So they're going to have access, whether it's 12, certainly if it's 16. Um, 16, you know, that, that's a great story to do. Go back right now and see, just take how many times that Notre Dame finished in the top 16 of the AP poll. There's your answer yep. about their access. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that's a pretty big percentage. They would probably get, you know, pretty good access in 16. And certainly with 12, where the, it was modeled that they would never get a first round buy. But in exchange for that, would not have to play, or obviously doesn't have to play a conference championship game. And they were fine with that. Um, they didn't want to put, you know, they would have to win four games in any given year. Or was it three? I think it's three to get to the championship. Three games in any given year, uh, whether they were ranked one or 15. Right. Um, and that was their trade off to get access. All right. Exactly. Uh, with the expansion of the college football playoff, there's been concern that you know when you're not on ESPN, you don't get talked yeah. about. That's the NHL argument for years. Uh, if there is an expansion from 12 or to 16, in all likelihood that means multiple media partners. Does that then take away the fact, hey, look, they don't talk about you, but it doesn't matter. We still get in. Yeah, I think, I think this is you know, in a way, a win for ESPN, and then they can keep their powder dry for bidding on the playoff. Yes. Uh, I think it, I, I think what you're right, Steve. We're resigned to the fact that it's not going to be a single carrier anymore. I mean, just look what happened today. Look at the money that was made from that. Co- frankly, college football is the only entity I can think of at that level that doesn't have multiple partners. Baseball has it. Hockey yeah. has it. Mm-hmm. NFL has it. NBA has it. For the championship. Um so that's going to happen. The other part of that, I should remind, I was told yesterday ESPN is not necessarily out uh, of the Big Ten deal as we're speaking about it right now. Um, I think Kevin Warren still wants to expand. I think he would. I, I had a person call me and, and ask desperately, had I heard about Cal, Oregon, Stanford, and Washington? And I said, not since I wrote it late last month. That was, that was yesterday. Hmm. Apparently that's going around, so that's not dead yet. And guess who would pick that up if if the Big Ten wanted to go to twenty teams to go to whole hog for uh, July first of next year when this contract starts? ESPN at a discounted rate because the rights holders have already determined they're not worth you know what are we talking about eighty million per year? Right. Um, maybe ESPN does a separate deal and just pays for those games. I mean, I don't know. I'm just speculating at hmm. a lower rate. Well, yeah, because right now, if you went to them and said, "Let's just use the basic number of eighty, uh, we yeah. we need three hundred twenty million more per year because we're adding four schools," nobody's going to do that, but at a yeah. but at a different rate, which would right. be the Rutgers rate until twenty twenty seven, right? Because Rutgers doesn't get a full cut till twenty twenty seven because they borrowed so much money. I mean, now you start doing it that way, now you can jury rig your deal, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and you can sell, you've got more inventory, you're monopolizing the market, which we're, this whole discussion is about that. Uh, you, you're coast to coast, you've got a, a West Wing for your conference, along with USC and UCLA, 
and you can sell to your president. And I, I'm just, I, I think this is Kevin Warren's play. I think ultimately you can go to your president and say, we have a chance to assemble the best athletic and academic conference that has ever been. If we do this, you know, are you in? I, that's what I think he's trying to do. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think that's the attempt. And by the way, on the academic side, all four are AEU schools. Yep. So, you know, and, yep. you know, and that, that plays big with the Big Ten presidents and chancellors. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Stanford, yep. Cal, yep. you know, in, in no way would you figure Cal would be part of it. I know. But, you know, Stan, the three best brands left that are, quote, unquote, available are Oregon, Washington, and then to a lesser degree, Stanford. Cal is almost a throw-in academically. Right. Um, you know, we can talk about Clemson, Florida State, Miami, but it, again, they're they're bound by a 14-year contract or 14 years left in it, and there's no signs that look like they're they're going to leave that. Well, I've said to people many times, Dennis, on the show, if the Granite rights were so easy to get out, why are Texas and Oklahoma still in the Big 12 this year, and why are USC and UCLA waiting till 24? Well, because. It, yeah, it, they're not easy to get out. And in particular, exactly. the Big 12, I'm intimately involved, not involved. I, I've seen the grant of rights. Yeah. It's a huge You've legal document. I know, I've read it. I know how it was constructed. It was, it was made, I guess, in, I don't know if the, what the verb is, but it was uh, made in, in the state of Delaware, where just for example, it makes it harder to, uh, for Texas to get out, for lack of a better term, right. because they have sovereign immunity in Texas. So the, the conference is protected. And then when they did this last summer, remember, there's four years left. Mm-hmm. It was just a discussion. Was it going to be three or two or one? Worst case scenario, you play all four years out. SEC still gets rich. Texas and Oklahoma still gets rich. Um, you know, you're still there. Right, exactly, because the Big 12 number tops out at about $40 million per school at the end. About, four, about 44. In the, yeah, 44. Okay. 44 yeah. at the end. Uh, I know at one point the um, conference commissioners, Swarbrick, uh, the presidents and so forth, were talking about, okay, what do we do with the future of college football, college football playoff? These are all initial discussions. What are you seeing out of that? Well, the, the Big Ten deal now clears the way for that discussion. Yeah. Uh, expansion. Again, what they're going to get for expansion, who their partner's going to be. Mark Keenum said, I forget who had this story, but it was a pretty significant story this year. I think it was Heather Denich at ESPN. Mark Keenum, uh, the chair of the board of managers, the president who run the, the CFP, casually said, uh, I'd li- like to have something done by next summer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We thought we were going to 26. Yeah. Um, and Mark Keenum is the president of Mississippi State, by the way. Yes. He's the chair of the president. And so... I think that's significant. I think that was a, a message being sent to um, to the commissioners. If you bring us something, we'll do it. I, I was told in that January 10th meeting that uh, in Indianapolis, remember that the day of the championship game where they shot a town? Yep. I, w- I was told that the presidents came in there thinking, well, all we have to do is rubber stamp it. And there were so many issues going into that meeting. We found out with the alliance, with the three conferences that voted against it, they weren't even informed on that stuff. I, I, I'm not blaming them. I'm just telling you what happened. Now, this thing's had time to breathe, play out. You can do the pros and cons of 12 or 16. You know what money's involved, you know, with, with the SEC and Big, Big Ten. 
uh, you can put it out to bid and you've got those presidents, if they're academically inclined, they have to be conscientious to the athlete and all this. That's why I think revenue sharing is coming. I think you're going to have multi-year health insurance beyond eligibility. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Pac-12 has that. Yep. But I think that's, that's a no-brainer because you can afford it. This is great, Dennis. Thanks so much for the time, especially on a day like this. I really appreciate it. Steve, it's a pleasure. Thank you. And that is CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd after he joined us a few weeks ago. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Coming up in the next half hour, it's the replay of our high school football roundtable week two from Tuesday's show in case you missed it. That's coming up next here on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Back here on the Steve Jones Show, Macatrillo here with you, Steve, standing by in West Lafayette as we continue to count down to kick off Penn State and Purdue coming up at eight o'clock tonight here on WKOK. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, great selection of pre-owned inventory, a great service department, and a great sales staff that is there for you, all part of that Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. So now we go to a replay of our high school football roundtable week two edition. We had that on Tuesday this week before Steve took off for West Lafayette. We have Zach Showers, the stat man for the Seals Grove broadcast on Eagle 107. Seals Grove coming off the big win against Belfont last week. Injury bug bit him a little bit. So Zach is going to talk about that, plus the matchup with Juniata for the home opener for the Seals on Friday night on Eagle 107. Then It'll be Greg Wetzel talking Lewisburg football, losing to Shemokin 13-9 last week. They take on a tough Jersey Shore team this week, and that'll be on 100.9 the Valley. And then we'll have the Chief, Dave Ritchie, joining us to talk Shikolemi football, dropping a tough one in overtime to Central Columbia at home last week. They are at Mifflin County tomorrow night right here on WKOK. So here is Week 2 High School Football Roundtable. 
Okay, let's start with Zach Showers, our high school roundtable. Because of the schedule this week, we've had to jury rig it a bit because I'm not going to be in on Thursday. I'm at Purdue, so we're going to do it today. And, Todd, first of all, thanks. Appreciate it very much. I expected Sealands Grove to win. I thought they would win by three touchdowns over Belfont. Uh, they they did more than that. What did you think of the performance? Um, I mean, for week one, there's a lot of things to like and a lot of things to work on. Um, overall, the Seals Grove offense was able to move the ball quite a bit. Um, they had um, over 350 yards of offense and uh, really passed the ball, had some good balance on the ground, um, was kind of tempered a little bit as Seals Grove lost um, Tucker Keats, their starting running back on the first play of the game, is going to be out for a little bit of time. Um, so that was a little bit difficult. Um, like I said, they were able to move the ball quite a bit. Um, they ended up settling for four field goals, including a 40-yarder from um, the junior kicker, um, Carter Young. So um, optimistic with being able to have that kicking game at the high school level, but um, also a lot of uh, just missed opportunities because, um, you know, you take take four field goals and turn those into touchdowns and the score is a little bigger and I think closer to where at least the coaching staff thought it was going to be on Friday night. All right, so you want to make that big movement from game one to game two. So as you look at it, where does Sealing Grove need to be a better team moving forward? I think a lot of that starts, um, this is probably a common theme across everything with the offensive line. Um, overall, they had they had a, a decent night. Um, backs were able to average four yards a carry, um, but that's that's just an area. Um, I, a lot of times, especially without having the second scrimmage anymore, you see a lot of adjust, adjustments. You see different fronts that there needs to be communication. So, anytime that you can get another week on film, um, be be able to mix and match those guys a little bit. Um, and then, like I said, I, I think just converting on red zone opportunities um, is probably a big thing. Defensively, uh, Stones Grove posted a shutout. Uh, Belfont didn't really move the ball too much. There's a couple uh, couple plays in the passing game I think that they'd be able to uh, just shore up on some slants and things like that. But um, overall, it was a good effort. And um, like we normally say, the biggest improvement that you see is from week one to week two. Yeah. No question. Give me a couple of names of guys that stood out to you where you said you looked around and said, you know what, the guy's going to be pretty good. Yeah, so I think uh, just the passing game, Mark Pastore just looked like a, a different guy there from his sophomore to junior year. He had over 200 yards passing, um, just more comfortable and actually showed a little bit of mobility, um, had 45 yards carrying. I know the coaches are kind of wanting him to go down a little bit more, especially at the high school level when you're trying to make plays. Um, so he looks really comfortable. Uh, Gavin Bastion, a sophomore wide receiver, just looks like a different level athlete. Um, he had 155 yards receiving and a, a nice 60-yard touchdown where he took a little kind of three to five-yard out and just basically outrun everybody, outran everybody down the left sideline. So. That was big, and um, another senior, Nick Rice, who is a guy that I don't think had a catch coming into this year out of the slot, uh, just looks really strong and making a lot of plays. Um, and defensively, and, well, both sides of the ball, Garrett Parody, who's another senior linebacker who's put on some nice weight in the offseason. He had to jump in for uh, Tucker Teets when he went down with the injury, and he had close to 70 yards rushing. So 
Um, he's a guy that uh, just does the little things well and, and looks like a better athlete than um, what he was last season. So, Zach, what's important in this matchup this week? Well, starting off, uh, health's a big issue. Um, just yeah, getting right. some of these guys, some of these guys healthy. Um, Juniata is an, an interesting team. They had a, a nice win over Clearfield. When you look at the stats, they actually have uh, kind of similar numbers to what Seals Group did offensively. Uh, they do a lot of different things on offense. Um, you know, they'll they'll uh, line up wide. They'll do a little option here and there. So I think it's going to be really important for the linebackers, especially just keeping their eyes at the right places and um, a lot of misdirection. Uh, defensively, they have, they have some thumpers. They have some guys that, that can hit and some um, pretty physical games. So I think it'll, it'll be a good challenge for Steelens Grove, um, especially with Jersey Shore the week after. Um, I, you're going to see a physical running attack. Um, but they also have some athletes on the outside that you're going to have to be cognizant of. You're not going to be able to just put eight guys in the box and um, say stop the run. Always great to have you with us. Appreciate it, Zach, very much. Absolutely. Thank you, as always. All right, Greg, uh, let's get to Lewisburg here. I mean, look, I, I think it's really hard to say that, you know, People don't really, every game takes on its own personality. Mm -hmm. I was a little taken aback just from 30,000 feet that it was a low-scoring game. How did you view it? Uh, I was, too, to be honest with you. And I think some of that was first game, Steve. Um, Shemokin was down in the red zone numerous times, uh, but Lewisburg stopped and their defense stepped up and, and made some stops and actually created a turnover. Lewisburg was in the red zone a couple of times and came away with uh, one touchdown. So uh, offenses were a little behind the defenses in, in the game, realistically. Shemokin had a good running game, uh, but they didn't pass the ball well. They didn't need to against Lewisburg that night because uh, they ran the ball for over 300 yards. But uh, I was I was surprised it was a, such a low-scoring game. Yeah. Uh, now, that bodes well for the defense. So let's start with some of the positives there. What did you say? Uh Realistically, Steve, flowing to the ball, that that was excellent on Lewisburg's part. Except for the second play of the game, they really did not give up a lot of long runs. They gave up some seven, eight-yard runs, but they didn't give up, like, uh, the 25, you know, the big chunk plays. Uh, tackling, uh, they missed some tackles uh, over pursuing, so I think that's something they'll work on this week in uh, staying in your lanes, you know, not over pursuing the ball carrier um, linebackers linebackers played well and defensive line got some penetration when when they needed to and came up with some big plays so overall defensively I don't think there's a lot to work on in terms of uh, uh, their scheme what they've been wanting to do they played a lot of kids defensively I, they when the game started there were seven kids going both ways but during the course of the game, kids were lost to um, cramping, things like that, yeah. uh, because yeah. it was very warm that night. And there was a freshman defensive back. Uh, I can't think of his first name right now. It just escapes me. But Kingdom, he was number 26. He played really well as a freshman in his first game, covering a senior wide receiver. He did an excellent job, broke up two passes, made a couple of tackles, uh, did a 
an excellent job defensively. So I think the coach found out there's some depth there that he can play maybe more kids one way than he, than he has to. Uh, I'm going to guess over pursuit is because it's opening night. Because you and I, you and yeah, I both yeah. know if it continues, then teams will start to use that against them. That's exactly right. And, and guess what? They were up against a senior runner who had great patience and was just waiting for his blocks. And he waited for those people to run by him. He cut back and run and you know turn it upfield. You you think oh, that's going to be a one two yard gain, and all of a sudden it's a seven eight yard gain. So yeah, I'm sure that's going to be used in practice. I'm I know they're going to work on that drill in practice this week so the offensive part of it right look offenses are going to be behind defenses usually right all right did you see anything offensively we sat back and said you know what they can build upon that they just have to work at it yes um wide receiver trent wenrick he was uh, getting good he was he was getting open a lot of times during the evening and the other one was tight end jack blau had a real good game and why that's big is cam michaels because of uh, an injury this year to their top running back cam michaels has been thrust into a running back wide receiver role everybody lewisburg plays knows cam michaels is the guy they're going to go to when he went out wide, there were two guys on him. When he was in the slot, there were two guys on him. If he'd go in motion, they'd have a guy follow him, plus the safety would move over. So everybody knew that. Uh, when he was in the backfield, they figured, hey, Cam's getting the ball. They, they keyed in on him. So knowing other guys can do a job now, I think that's going to really help their offense down the line. And, and the coach is going to have to make some adjustments. So now week two comes up. Mm -hmm. What will be important in this matchup? Oh, boy. Uh, ball control to keep the ball away from Jersey Shore, Steve. Yeah. You know, they the last last year we played these guys. They ran 52 plays in the first half. And a 28-minute... I mean, they're explosive. Oh, they are explosive. Very explosive. They put up 55 points in Pottsville. Uh, they are excellent defensively. They run a play about every 15 seconds. They're going to be running a, a play. And what they'll do is if that play works on first down, guess what they're going to run on second down? The same play. Same play. And until and, you stop it. And they're just going to keep going at a frantic pace. They have two quarterbacks, uh, one of them that can really run the ball well. The other is a little better passer. Loomis is a little better passer. But Brady Jordan, he's only 5'7", but, boy, he can run the football like a tailback. And with uh, Hayden Packer back in the backfield, he's about 6 feet, 210 pounds. They're, they're just going to run us, run us, run us, and run us. They saw the um, fatigue factor set in last week with the cramping. And that we, we need to control the football, keep the ball away from Jersey Shore. And that's easier said than done. Right. Yeah. Uh, and a little lonely in there today, though, right? It is. The, uh, the Chief's not here with me today. Well, we got the chief on the phone. Uh, Dave, how are you? I'm all right. I'm sitting down here in Mechanicsburg, babysitting my grandsons and enjoying a nice steady rain. That is, you got your grandson. That's the big part. Dave, it was, yeah. that was really an exciting game on Friday night. It didn't go the way Shikolumi wanted to. You get into something like that, is there too much heartbreak in a game like that, or is there, a lot, is there positivity in a game like that? Well, there definitely was uh, positivity in the fact that they, they scored four touchdowns. I had said all week I thought we would score four touchdowns, and, and with that I thought we'd be able to win. 
disappointing factor was we were uh, had the entire second half by seven points, and uh, with uh, what 15 seconds to go, through a little bit of blown coverage in the secondary, uh, Central Columbia scored the touchdown to and got the extra point to tie. So that was disappointing, and uh, you know. Both of those teams, Central and Shekalimi, had rough years last year, and they both they both put some uh, points on the board. And their defenses, believe it or not, I thought played well. So they're like I said, a lot of things positive, but there's uh, the disappointment that you had a win within your grasp and uh, it got away on them. All right, so where do they need to be a better team to make the next step with this week coming up? Well, everybody knew that uh, Coach Kaiser had a decision to make when they scored their touchdown in overtime, whether to kick an right. extra point and and tie it or go for two and win. And he went for two, and he all, they almost pulled it off. Sure. Uh, the best reason was the fact that Chickalimi <laughs> only had two first downs in that entire football game. Their special teams and defense did a lot for them, and an 80-yard and run by... Uh, Isaac Schaefer Knights uh, really helped too. Uh, so I would say the offense has to be able to be more, uh, I guess uh, the word I want to use, uh, have a more profound effort to, to get grind out the first down, get some good running plays. And uh, Central just, you know, just basically put a lot of pressure on our freshman quarterback and the Braves, I think, only completed two passes. So the offense has a lot to a lot to get themselves back into the swing of things, and they can do it. It's just one of those uh, one of those situations that uh, you know the momentum uh, uh, really got on Central's uh, side, but the Braves Braves turned around and came back and would would answer to that, and eventually in the end Central pulled it out. But the defense played very well, Steve. Uh, there were some blown coverages in the secondary. But overall, they, they did it. They did an excellent job. And like Greg said, we we had ten what I would call cramp timeouts, and they were all our yeah. kids, and they were all our defensive starters. And yep. there were times there were times when we lost a couple of kids for a couple of plays. And you know, you make hay while the sun shines if you're Central's offense, and they did that. Yeah, I was about to ask that. That was actually going to be my next question because. I mean, it's been a really humid week, and it's probably going to be pretty humid on, on Friday night as well. Uh, it's, I mean, other than more Gatorade, more water, what do they need to do to keep these kids on the field? Well, I'll tell you what uh, the trainer <laughs> told me. They have to start hydrating all week long. You can't wait yeah. until the day of the game right. or the day before the game. And that's something, you know, Steve, how much water are we supposed to drink as as adults every day that we do not do that? Okay, right. and these kids just have to just have to maybe discipline themselves to do that. That's what I would think would be the the, the most important thing for them to do. I do believe that Friday night. I don't think we're going to have the humidity. I, I think that's coming back this weekend, so that could help. But it's uh, I guess it's more on the side of the individual players to you know hey just drink a lot of water all week long and uh and i think that will help a lot how do you view the matchup well the uh mifflin county 
football team. And be doing this on a Tuesday, I haven't seen any of their yeah. games on Hub. Right. But I will tell you that they knocked off Central Mountain 14-7, to and that was, uh, I think, one of their first wins in a long time. That was yes, the battle was. between two teams that had rough years, just like Central and Chickalimmi did, and Mifflin County uh, came out ahead. So I think they've got a little bit of an incentive, and or, excuse me, a little bit of motivation there, and they're probably pretty up this week. So I, I don't know a lot about them, Steve. I apologize yeah, for that. That's uh, fair. I, I, I just, I just know that it's a, it's a long trip out to Lewistown, and uh, you know the kids are going to have to be ready to play right from the start. Uh, I, I would say this: we had uh, the very first play of the of the game for Shikalini was an offensive play, and it was a, it was a pass over the middle of the tight end that was complete, and the defensive back from Central Columbia took the ball off of the receiver, and I, I tell you what. I think that set the stage for the first half for Central. So I think if the Braves come out and they can do something like that or, or, or get the ball and take it down the field and score, that's going to have a lot to say on, uh, on who's going to win that football game Friday night. Well, once the suit gets back from Montauk, I'm sure he'll be completely ready for the game. All right, so <laughs> yeah. Dave, Dave, thanks so much. Take good care of that grandson, okay? Well, I got two of them down here, and I will, Steve. Thank you. I'm doing it, all right? So, Thank you, my I'll friend. Be... Appreciate you very yep. much. All right. all right. Take care. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Humble Fork, and online at sunburymotors.com. Brett McMurphy replay, Thomas Frank Carr replays coming up in the next hour here on the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK.